0: back to the Practical Family Podcast. My name is Jennifer Bryant, and I am the host here, and we are talking to a veteran homeschool mom. Do you mind being called a veteran, September? No, not at all. That's <laughs> <good>. <laughs> well, we have September McCarthy here, and she is a homeschooling mama of 24 years, She's the mom of 10 children and now eight grandchildren. They live in upstate New York. And September is also the co host of the Mom to Mom podcast, which is a wonderful podcast with other longtime homeschooling mamas. She is the founder and host of the Moms Conference and the nonprofit Raising Generations Today. But you can find her living her real life homeschool life on Instagram. We'll have all the links ready for you in the show notes. But I wanted to introduce you to September today. She's a lovely, lovely mama. And welcome to
1: the podcast for the first time. Thanks, Jen. I'm so happy to be here and to get to know all of your listeners and to talk about this really great topic we're going to talk about today.
0: This topic has been uh, on the forefront of every parent's mind lately. And, uh, you know, we see all the memes and videos going around on on uh, social media about teaching and, you know, praising teachers and not being able to wait for the schools to open up again. We're recording this during quarantine time, but, you know, if, if and when this comes out in September of 2020, we're hoping that First of all, the stay-at-home order will be lifted by then, and second of all, we know that a lot of you parents will have made the decision to continue homeschooling or not. Maybe you began homeschooling, and maybe this time has been kind of an extra pressure cooker for you, and so we want to talk about the topics around homeschooling that are most important to parents right now whether you homeschool or not. So I wanted to bring September on today to approach the issues of homeschooling that are on the minds of parents including the fears that come with that and the misconceptions because homeschooling does not look the same for every family does it?
1: No, homeschooling is different for every family. You may have one child at home that you're homeschooling, you may have multiple children, you may be um, using computer work or books, and you may not be the primary teacher. There's a lot of different variables with homeschooling. And I feel like sometimes when we think of homeschooling, we think of, you know, the eight to three o'clock standard sitting at a desk, um, public school classroom setting. And there's a lot of fallacy and and misconception, I think, about what homeschooling looks like. And so even during the quarantine and restarting and when this airs, I think it's a good time to really kind of focus on what homeschooling can look like, how to make the best use of our time. But it's going to look different for everyone. So I feel like it's important for each family to kind of take the culture of your family and weave learning into the DNA of your lifestyle. And that's the best way I can describe homeschooling for everyone kind of across the board. You're going to kind of mix the DNA of your family and learning together, and then it's going to be this product that will be homeschooling. So
0: it sounds like it's taking what's most important to you as your own unique family unit, because there are so many families who have just Different focuses, you know, I see our family focusing more in the direction of like entrepreneurship because my right. husband and I are business owners, yes. and so we involve the kids in the things that we do. I involve mm-hmm. them here sometimes on the, the website or the podcast, I have them record little yep. commercials for me or something, right? But we also, have our daughter working at our restaurant, we own a taco shop in downtown Honolulu, and oh. it's like food, restaurant. So. Mm-hmm. I find myself getting sometimes misled by the conception that you have to raise a well-rounded child and infuse every single subject into their brain. It's almost kind of like a factory production so that you produce yes. this type of student who's going to be an excellent contributor to the world. And that, that overwhelms me.
1: Mm-hmm. And I right. don't know where that thinking came from. What in the world, September? Why am I yeah. feeling yeah. so pressured? Well, I think that there is a lot of pressure. And I think it begins with the fact that homeschooling families feel this expectation to produce an outcome that the world is expecting, or that people watching are expecting. And I think we need to remember why we're homeschooling. You know, why, why did we choose to homeschool? Because we want a little different result, or we want to infuse different things than what they may get in a traditional classroom, which is exactly what you're doing. And so I think that it's super important for every family, anyone listening to just remember, what is your goal in homeschooling? What is your purpose? Because if you always keep that right before you, that will be your outcome. You know, don't get diverted by what should be or what people may be expecting of you or what it should look like. There really is no Book or program that says, When you homeschool, you know, this is what you have to do. And there's a lot of opinions and a lot of input and a lot of great materials, but we have the great freedom to choose what we do with our homeschooling every day. And I love that. That's what I love the most about homeschooling. And I try to see that as something positive. Like when I start to feel frustrated, like um, maybe my child isn't going to be so well skilled in this, you know, trigonometry. But they've become a great writer and they're entrepreneurial and they're responsible and they have all these other great skills, but they're also good in math, then I've done everything that I need to do, right? So I think that we can take the pressure off right from the beginning just by laying out our goals. Like, what's your goal? What's your purpose in homeschooling? And for you, you're already doing those things. You know, your children, when they are helping you work, they're not only responsible. They have a good work ethic. They're being diligent. They're working with math. They're working with money. They're working with people and relationships. You think about like, if we just had books and things like that right before us every day and nothing else, and then we send our kids out into the world, they don't know how to relate. They don't know how to run a business. They don't know how to communicate with other adults. And I feel like this is one of the big pluses of homeschooling. Like we get to do that. You know, we get to kind of infuse our kids in our lives every day while they're learning. So I like to say learning is a lifestyle. You take your life and you infuse learning into every area. Yes, I have
0: found that to be true the more years that I've attempted this homeschooling thing. I always hesitate, I feel like, to talk about or give advice about it because there are so many different ways, but ultimately knowing that every family needs to choose what's best for them, every family does need a starting point. So it's like, okay, part of the overwhelm of even choosing homeschool is knowing that there are so many options out there. So then how do you coach any one mama to start? You know, like what are the basic things she needs to know to start to not have all the pressure and have maybe just a simple schedule or expectation for the day? (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, I think we can all – sit back and think ask ourselves two questions how much time is realistic for my one child or my multiple children to spend every day sitting down working through actual book work and then the second question I think that would be really good is to ask yourself as a parent teacher what and how is my children's learning style Once you figure those two things out, the learning and the teaching and the questions will be easier to come to answers. So if you have a child that learns really well with hands-on learning, you know, they learn by putting something together or standing at a board and writing out their math problems rather than just saying, you know, I want you to go read your lesson and they're frustrated and you're not sure why. You have to think, okay, they have a learning style. All of us learn so differently. So Once you figure that out and you find the right thing to fit that niche, then that is going to save you a lot of time. But, you know, a lot of the time spent in a classroom can easily be done two hours, three hours a day. Like if someone is spending more than three hours a day homeschooling their children at a desk or a table, then I'd say, You're overthinking it. Don't make it too complicated. Like, I've been homeschooling 24 years. And when I first started, you know, I had lots of charts and lots of schedules and lots of printouts and notebooks. And I still have some of those things, but they're not what I would say labels my homeschooling. It's not what defines my homeschooling. I like to think of those things as helpers and tools, but I approach every day literally, like, if this is to help take the pressure off of any parent listening. When I wake up, I think, what is it I want my kids to learn today? I'm not thinking, well, we have five lessons to do in this and five lessons to do in that. I think, what is it we really want to learn today? And then I know, of course, there's things that we have to do, like brushing our teeth, you know, the basic everyday things. But then there's a math lesson. Of course, we're going to do the math lesson. And there's piano practice because music's important to our family. So I encourage families, just sit down, figure out your kids' learning style figure out how much time you want to invest every day implementing the homeschool material that you have before you and then remember that there's things outside of those books that are also considered homeschooling you're really homeschooling all day long so if you feel like you're not getting enough time in when you're teaching your child how to clean the bathroom or to collate cards for like we have our online shop those things are homeschooling. You know, my kids are learning how to do spreadsheets for money. They're learning how to count change back to people. That's a math lesson. So <laughs> I, I think sometimes we have this expectation on ourselves. And I just, I'm hoping any mom that's listening can just kind of take that and be like, okay, I'm done with that expectation. Like, I just need to see everything we're doing as learning and be intentional about it. You know, when you wake up, think, you know, I really want my kids today to learn how to write a thank you note. So when they write the thank you note, we're going to work on grammar, we're going to work on neat handwriting, we're going to work on punctuation, we're going to learn about the postal system, like that's a lesson in every subject, like that was an entire lesson. And then you not only have that, but now you're teaching your kids to think about other people. It's growing great character in them. So um, I think sometimes we minimize what we're doing as moms, Mm -hmm. and even the little things, we don't even think about it. We are teaching our children so much.
0: I love that message that you probably are already doing enough, mom. I, yes. I think I need to hear that. Yes. So often I keep defaulting to this idea that there's an expectation and I have right. to keep asking myself, whose expectation is this? Because ultimately I'm deciding or my husband and I are coming together and deciding and at first I have to be honest at first it was kind of a struggle to convince the husband that this needed to happen and then I want to bring the kids home and, and I actually only started bringing my daughter home first. My son is he, they have different learning styles. They, my daughter's able to sit and do bookwork for much longer than he can. Right, and I find myself always defaulting to my public school education, and I'll have to kind of stop my brain and go, "Okay, wait, 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 hold on. What's best for him? Okay, what's best for what's going to get us through this day? That's not me giving in to him, but him yes. actually learning and not having. To, does he really have to sit down and write this? Yeah, <laughs> you know, right? Yes. It, it's a constant. Mode of flexibility is what I found with that. But because I had to have this conversation with my husband, and my husband's fully on board now, it was just hard because I felt like I needed to meet even his expectation. Like every time he would come home, it never failed. Every time he walked in the door, it looked like we were not schooling. (laughs) 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 What in the world? You know, and then I found myself rushing to. And I don't know, God. That's not okay. No, don't force it, Jen. That's not okay. Just let it yes. be what it is, and stop trying to explain mm-hmm. yourself. You know, right. it's that mad rush that we get sometimes as moms to prove that what we're doing is valuable.
1: Yes, it is. I always <clears throat> like to encourage other moms to think: if every day that you woke up, the best gift you gave to your family was to love your children well and that is enough. And then anything on top of that is just a big bonus. And so, you know, I know that sounds really like, gen- but sometimes that's what I have to tell myself. I've been a mom for 28 years. And sometimes at the end of the day comes and I think, well, math was a flop. But if you think school teachers... They have the same experiences when they go home at night, you know what I mean? They work hard and sometimes they're frustrated and they think, am I even making a difference? I think this is just part of that, how serious we take our investment. So, you know, it is a good thing for us to think and to kind of narrow it down to like, we're loving our children well, that's why we made this choice. We, we want to do a really good job at motherhood. And I think that's sometimes where that catch comes from. But as women and moms, it kind of, you know, goes into a spiral thinking, um, well, maybe, you know, my kids don't know enough in math, you know, maybe I'm not giving them enough of this and enough of that. There are basic things we have to teach our kids when we homeschool. I mean, we can't get around that. There are things that we should be teaching our kids. And those are the things that I like to say, if you're not a scheduling person, Um, Those priorities, those priority subjects, those checklists, of things they need to know and in every grade, it's important to schedule those things, but everything else just to be flexible with. And the more you homeschool, the more you begin to see the gift of that flexibility. So I encourage moms if they're just starting out um, and they're thinking, well, this sounds great, but, you know, I don't think I can do this. I just say, take it one day at a time. Don't think too far out. But the one thing to always keep before us is why did we decide to do this? You know, why are we doing this? And I think that helps keep us going. You know, every day at the end of the day to say, wow, my, my child just learned their eight multiplication facts. and you know, they remember to put a period at the end of a sentence and capitalize the beginning of the sentence. And now they know all their ABCs and their potty trained. So yeah, yeah, I did a great job. Yeah. You know, so, they, yeah. so and then, yeah, right. That's homeschooling. So, um, you know, when we send our kids off to school and I grew up in the public school, I didn't come home every single night and give this long running dialogue of everything I learned. Some days it was a field trip. Some days it was, you know, having a class mom come in and read us a book. You know what I mean? So there's so many things I think that we expect from ourselves that they're just expectations we've we've put on ourselves or maybe from comparing ourselves on social media or other moms that have been homeschooling longer. A lot of times moms will say to me, well, you just are so peaceful and laid back September And I remind them, you know, I've been homeschooling 24 years. And when I had six kids under the age of nine and I was homeschooling them, this is not what my life looked like. I had kids in diapers and I had kids that I was nursing and I was trying to teach math with a whiteboard. And I only had a limited amount of books and we homeschooled at the dining room table with books everywhere. And my husband would walk in and be like, but he knew, you know, he knew that I was giving it my very best. And I think that's what matters the most.
0: Now, what would you say? are those most important subjects that have to be taught? Like what, what are the core ones that we focus on? I'm thinking reading and math, but you may have different ideas about that. So what would you say, how would you prioritize those subjects? And then which ones would you leave the rest at? And this is, of course, given for the, our different children's interests
1: sure. too. Sure, right. Well, you know, for me, it would be math and then reading, of course, phonics and spelling. And then we do individual studies for those areas that I just mentioned. And then we do group studies. So actually, because science is science, it's not something that has to be learned in sequence. You know what I mean? Like you can't learn how to read until you learn your letters. Science is God's creation. It's everything around us. And so it can be taught by topic. So you can do two kids, three kids, four kids all at once. So science is something I do as a group and history is the same way. We do that as a group and then we do art and things like that, which are as a group, and then we do rotating. Like, I rotate my kids in and out. So, someone's always doing something at a different time. But for me, there's just a few core subjects that are absolutely like, this is our schedule. We're going to get this done. So, it would be just for us, phonics, which is super important. I think it's something skipped, I think, in a lot of academic settings, which really, I think people skip over that because it's not necessary and it's something new to learn for us as moms teaching like i don't remember learning this i was little so it's something we have to learn but it has such value in the reading process so spelling is super important because that's going to affect them the rest of their life of course and math and then the other things is i'm not saying that they're not important but they're flexible you know they can be done at a park with your science book in a blanket and they sit and listen and read and they sketch the leaves that they find and make a notebook. So they're still learning. You get a microscope instead of a table. But for us, I schedule in the priorities every single day and those things that are important to us, like I said, music is important to us. So we fit that in every day, you know, and I encourage families, once you figure out those things that are priorities to you, and I think those core subjects are priorities, then take the other things and make them fun, make them interesting. So it's not just this, drudgery every day. Now, I always feel bad saying
0: this because I do live in Hawaii and I'm such an indoor girl, okay? Mm -hmm. I am not outside and active and people probably heard me say this before, but when it comes to homeschooling, I find that I always feel so guilty for focusing most of my attention on the stuff done indoors. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the day, we didn't go outside at all. We kind of live in a busy urban area of Honolulu. So there are parks very close to us and things, but we do not have the freedom of having a big yard of our own to go into. A lot of stuff is concrete unless you take yourself to a public park or on a hike or something. And I so we don't always want to do that, you know? So yeah, for some okay. families, especially if you live in apartment buildings or in smaller spaces, I'm so jealous of the homeschoolers who live on farms and, and who have <laughs> yeah, all these just, wide open yeah, places right. to roam. Yeah. But sometimes feeling so limited and then missing some of those days, you know, makes yes. me feel like, oh, I'm not giving them all that they could have. Or maybe I should make one entire day outside, Or something like that. What are options we can give ourselves?
1: Well, two things that come to my mind right away are we have created, I mentioned this earlier. I feel like the physical exercise and fresh air, of course, is very important. So I would encourage families to just to pick a, one day a week if, if they're in these situations and make a point of getting outside, mm-hmm. whether it's just going for a walk on the sidewalk and observing things and making it an, a project or a field trip or something. But physical movement and energy and fresh air, all of that is very vital to your kids and yourselves, to mom's mindset. I find myself sometimes when I'm in those moments of great frustration, we'll just say, put your pencils down. We're going outside because we all need space, but not everyone can afford to have space. So one of the things that I've done in my home, and if you don't have a big space, I would encourage parents to think about this in a different way, maybe, but I've set up like stations in my house. So I have like a nature area, like a table or a counter. And like I've ordered owl pellets online that they can dissect and they have leaf notebooks and they can do like things in that corner. And if you don't have a big house, I would recommend like shoe boxes or things like that, but bring the outdoors and that discovery. So the part of being outside is the discovery process. It's not just the fresh air and the exercise and the movement. So I say, bring it inside, bring it to your kids, you know, so I have another area that's just for crafts, and then I have another area for history. And I just say, you know, go ahead and look at this under a microscope. And for art, sometimes I'll set my kids up at a window because we live in the north and we have a lot of cold weather, like snow all the time. And so we're inside a lot, also. Like I feel very confined. So I'll just move our desks near the window so we're getting some good sunlight, and I'll say, okay get out your watercolor paper. And then I put like masking tape on the window and I tell them, I just want you to look out that square that I've taped off on the window and just paint what you see in that square, not the whole picture. And it just gives them a good ability to learn to have perspective on something that's not in their immediate surroundings, you know, and it takes their mind off of being stuck inside or always being inside. And I think there's a lot of ways that we can do that. We can make the world that's outside bigger. As far as the fresh air, it's it's really good for us to do those things with our kids. You know, I try to go for a walk every day with my kids. We've started this new thing in the last couple of years that they have to run a mile a day. And I do not like to run like I... <laughs> so <laughs> I just oh <laughs> No, I do not like to run. I just, I love to walk, but um, I knew it was important for my kids. So if you live in a city or something, map out an area that you feel safe for them and let them do it. You know, just say, I trust you. I can see you, even if you have to go back and forth, but I just say, get creative with it and do what you can. It is important for two reasons. One, you know, just for physical energy, but also for discovery. I find my kids discover a whole lot more things outside want to give them the freedom to just go outside. And we lived in the city for a while and we just took that small space that we had. We planted little gardens on, my husband built like raised flower beds and boxes that were on like a little teeny platform in the front of our house. And, you know, we just thought, how can we do what we want in this small space? So think outside the box. That's such good advice, September. What would you say to the mom
0: who feels like she's just done? Like, I can't do this long-term. This is a lot. My kids are fighting with me every day about doing their work. I just don't think I can sustain this lifestyle. This is just, it feels too hard.
1: Yeah. When I, now I've used those two words often in my motherhood, not just homeschooling. And when I hear myself say, I'm done, then I realize that I've ignored a lot of pushing points that have led up to that moment. It's not just now I'm done. Like I was done when such and such happened or when this happened or when this happened and I kind of ignored it, hoping I could fix it or it would turn around. And I think it's so important for us as moms to learn those pushing points and those alarm systems that are going off that lead up to that moment. So that moment doesn't feel so desperate, so final, like I can't do this anymore. I had to literally train myself as a mom and as a woman to kind of step back and think, okay, right now I'm feeling this frustration because my child will not listen. They will not sit down and do their math. It's taking them two hours to do a workbook page. They will not do what is necessary to get through this day. And I think that training ourselves to handle those things in the moment allows us to feel the frustration before it gets so big that we make a decision that maybe could have been avoided. And sometimes it is good to reevaluate where we are with homeschooling. You know, we sent our three older kids to private school for a couple of years when I had little ones at home. And I received a lot of negativity from the homeschool community, but it was the best decision for me Mm -hmm. in that season. And then continue to homeschool the rest of our kids. You know, we have 10 kids and I've homeschooled them all. One of my daughters was really difficult, very stubborn, very strong-willed. And I didn't want to break like her spirit, but I knew that we needed to do something different. So I hired a friend to tutor her for two years in my homeschool season. So there's so many things to pay attention to when we get to that point. Like, okay, maybe I was ignoring some things that could have been fixed or two, maybe I need to do something different. That's going to look different for a while. Maybe it's just a temporary fix. So I say, give ourselves some grace, you know, don't beat ourselves up over the frustration of homeschooling. I mean, it's like, it's a job and With any job, we're going to meet problems along the way. It's not going to be some idealistic, picture-perfect Instagram moment. Homeschooling is not that, you know, it's a lifestyle. And so for me, I feel like in my homeschooling, the number one, number one issue that I have discovered when I get to that point where I'm thinking, I cannot teach this child anymore. This is not productive and good for them, it's not good for me, it's not good for our home, is that I've ignored some of the character building that went into their life and my life while I was trying to homeschool them. So when a child is struggling with neatness or struggling with a problem and they have maybe a temper or maybe they walk away from a situation or maybe they do their work messy and you want them to fix it and they won't and you make them sit there There there's so many character qualities that go into that you know diligence and attentiveness and responsibility and respect and there's so many things like that I think that as a homeschool parent we forget that we're still their mom so we're allowed to say listen we're going to put our pencil down we're not going to focus on the math right now. I want you to know that there's this thing called responsibility or diligence. And it's nothing is easy in life. Like we have to work hard. We have to give our best. And you just stop the schoolwork for a little while. And you say, I want you to grow to be a man of character. And what that means is not that you're the greatest in math. I don't care about that. But what I really care about is your heart and that you are a diligent, hard worker, and I will help you with this. And just kind of stepping back from those books. And then the next day when they're struggling, do you remember? Today, we're going to be diligent. We're going to do our work with neatness. And if you're having trouble, I'll help you. And if they continue to give you pushback, then maybe it's an obedience issue. But these are the moments. These are the really good moments to work on before we get to that point of I'm just done. Like, I can't do this anymore. And I feel like that takes a lot of the frustration out. It's not always the answer, but for me, I had to kind of step back and say, what brought me to this point of feeling so frustrated? Was it because I just wanted them to get to the work done and it wasn't about their character. It was just about getting the work done. And so therefore it became a really big conflict. And usually for me, that's what it was. Or maybe it was my own character. Maybe I wasn't being patient or maybe I wasn't being long suffering. So." I feel like for the moms listening that maybe are feeling that way, to consider two things. What is it that led you to feeling that way? And secondly, it's okay to make changes. Like it's okay. So good.
0: And that is the difference between sending your child to an institution who's going to give them everything that they've prepared to give them in subject areas. Yes, right. Versus being at home with you. And you being able to pinpoint and see exactly which character effort to work toward yeah. that day. That is not what schools are able or equipped to do most of the time because schools have a job to do. They have to deliver yeah. instruction. They yeah. they only have so many hours in the day and multiple students. So right. it doesn't make sense that your child is going to be infused with the character lessons that only you can see in them and give them authoritatively and graciously as a parent. It's encouraging to kind of look at the flip side of education in that way that when we educate and mold the character of their heart, the academic stuff will come. And I do that in my own kids too. When we fought over a lesson or something, it's really been about those things, the diligence, the discipline. And I'm able to stop right there and go, son or girlfriend. I call my daughter girlfriend. Girlfriend. something has to change right now because this yes. attitude is not going to accomplish this or anything else today. And, right. and I'm seeing long-term and I don't want to get them too far ahead or try to teach them too far ahead from what they really understand in the context of their little life. But yes. who else are they going to hear that from? Those things need to come from me
1: right? and their dad. Yes.
0: And that's the privilege of homeschooling. It's the hard and difficult but rewarding privilege of having them home with you. And yes. it's just a different sort of precious animal is what it really I see is. It.
1: Yeah. And I bet that any public school teacher listening would say, I see your kids and I want that for them. I just can't give that to them every day because I have so many students. But if you send your kids to school, even when you do homework with them at night those are opportunities because you make the teacher's job so much easier. And if we think about that that way, then think about how much easier your job is as a homeschooler because you're the teacher. So you're making your job as a teacher so much easier by putting a good foundation. You know, every morning we do this thing called morning time. I have a morning basket and it's filled with some things that I just love, have loved over the years. And the reason I do that is because I feel like if I set the tone for the day, then that's how the day is going to go. So I will think in my head, what are we struggling with right now? Is it kindness? So I don't say that to my kids, but I pull something out of that morning basket. And I think we, in my mind as a mom and a teacher, I think I've got to bring home this kindness thing. So even in the homeschool setting, when one child is done with school and they say, can I go get my lunch? And you're like, yeah, go make your lunch. And then you say, remember, we talked about kindness today. Maybe you can make your sister's lunch too. Like, you know what I mean? And you think, how can I weave this into my day? And so I think sometimes with homeschooling, we just kind of put it in a box. And that's my favorite thing to see is when women realize that this is just a a lifestyle, like raising our kids in academics and character. It's my favorite thing. That's awesome. Well,
0: I want you to talk about your book because I love any topic of a book that's centered around motherhood and just kind of paints that big picture. I grab onto because I I know I'm not the only one in, in this, that so many of us as moms just want to grab onto the wisdom of those who've come before us, even if it's just a little bit before us. It, we, we want to understand, okay, am I on the right track? Am I thinking about this right? And maybe I'm still in that stage of motherhood that's worried about doing it right. <laughs> and I'm trying to slowly give myself grace in that and go, okay, what are the seasoned, calm mothers thinking about right now? What's really important? So talk to us about your book, Why
1: Motherhood Matters. Right. So I wrote my book just a couple of years ago, and my oldest was married and I could have never written that book when my kids were younger I didn't have the perspective you know I still have an eight-year-old I still have young children and I'm still learning every day what motherhood is but the whole purpose of my book was to talk about how it matters because um, we had a lot of loss I begin my book with a season the first couple chapters I talk about our losses and grief and I feel like I've had a lot of questions why did you begin your book that way but then I encourage people to keep reading and then they realize, I feel like motherhood could be boiled down into two words and that would be capture. So, you know, our children capture our hearts, right? And our job is to capture their hearts. And then I think the second word would be release. So then we have to release them, right? And say goodbye or let them go to what they were called to. And it's such a beautiful, painful thing because the process between one you know, when we have them and we hold them and we're given them or we adopt them or we mentor them, like that is one moment. And then we have all these moments and not all the moments are good, but then when we release them, and this is the season I wrote my book is when I would begin sending my kids out. A lot of times people see that as a really hard, bad thing. And it was beautiful for me to see my kids go, but it was also one of those things I couldn't explain to them. Like this is Bittersweet for me. And then I thought, how can I feel these strong emotions that seem so conflicting? Like, motherhood was so hard. It was so exhausting. So many sleepless nights times 10 children. So many meals made. So many ungrateful moments. Like, did anyone see what I just did? You know, I just raised all these kids. And then you let them go and you realize that you've given them everything they need. And now it's their job to make the ceiling of what you've invested, their floor. So now they're standing on everything you've given them and it's their job to go beyond that. And that is why motherhood matters, like to invest purposefully every day, the end result will be so amazing. And I can truly say that. I look back some days, on my adult children and I can see all those things. I can see them now. Like they'll do something or they're in a project or I think I taught them that I, I did. Now they don't know that they would never say, Oh mom, remember when you taught me, but we know that. And even bigger than that, Why does motherhood matter? It matters because we as women, we as moms matter to God. And he gave us this thing called motherhood. He gave it to us, whether we've gone through infertility or loss or adoption, or we mentor other kids, we all have a mother's heart, like it's a gift. And I know that because when we were walking through our loss and I had no children, I had no babies, I had no one to go home. With from the hospital after we lost our children, I remember asking God, okay, so I have this very strong grief that I'm walking through, like incomprehensible over and over. And what is this? Because it's nothing I've ever had. I've never been a mom. What is it I'm grieving? Like, why am I grieving something I've never experienced? Why am I so sad about something? I don't even know what it is. You know, when you eat like chocolate and then you can't have it, you know, you miss it think about motherhood like why was i grieving this so badly and then i thought motherhood is something sacred that a gift that god has called us to and given to us and it matters and so when we did take our first baby home from the hospital i remember thinking this is that feeling this is that thing that god has called me to and given to me and i knew that i wanted to invest everything that i had into it and 28 years later watching my oldest son live his life with his family, I think, I don't think I would have done anything differently. And we've given them everything that they need, you know, faith and academia and character responsibility. And it all matters. Everything matters. But like I said earlier, I think that, no, I know that if we just wake up every day and love our children well, then that is enough.
0: Well, thank you so much, September, for being a guest here today. We you, so appreciate your hard-earned uh, wisdom. But we all know that we're all we're all works in progress, and yes. it's going to be a slightly different journey for each of us. And I don't say that lightly because I too have a heart for moms to understand, right alongside me, right alongside where you are. That each day is worth its discovery in in its own right. Yeah. And God leads us to different things at different times. And each of our callings matters. And motherhood is certainly not the only thing that we'll ever do in life. It right. enhances yeah. our experience. But God has put that little bit of... um something extra in each of us that's going to help us to affect our world. So thank you. This has been the Practical Family Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Bryant, and uh, we've been talking with September McCarthy today. You can find her at septembermccarthy.com and on her blog that she affectionately calls One September Day. You can read more about her thoughts and her tools for homeschooling moms and just family life. We thank you so much, September for being a guest today and hope to have you back soon and learn more from your experience. Thank you. This has been the Practical Family Podcast where we are helping to strengthen moms for real life struggles to help you discover your gifts and embrace grace.